Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. today. How many would stand with me? I want to pray today. Stand with me. How many would just lift their hands toward heaven right now? Just begin to pray with me. Lord Jesus, we just ask, Lord, that you would give us everything that you have for us in this moment, God. Lord, we say yes to your will. We say yes to your way. We say yes to your word today, God. Lord, we've lifted our hearts. We've lifted our hands. We've lifted our voices in worship and praise to you today. Lord, you said that you would inhabit the praises of your people. And God, I pray as, the, as our praises go up today, that, that you would inhabit our praises, Lord. As our prayers go up today, that you would hear our cry, God. Lord, that you would be with us in this house, God. That your spirit would be poured out in a mighty way, God. Let there be, Lord, miracles and salvation and healing. I believe it's all possible by your power, your presence, and by your name today. And we pray it. How many believe it? Say amen to it. Amen to it. Amen. 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 Thank you, the worship team. Thank you for being here today. I love our time together on Sundays. I believe God's going to do something in the house. Uh, if you're able to, stand with me. I want to read just two verses today. And um, I want to tell you, I'm excited um, about today, but I'm also excited about next week. Carlins, can you show that five for five image? This is something that is really special at our church. It's a great way uh, to hear from people um, that you don't normally hear from. Um, and I, it's kind of a, if you've been in one of these services before, it's quick hitting, it's powerful. Um, and so we invite, what it is, is we invite five people to share a word, maybe something God has given them, uh, maybe a testimony. Uh, maybe just a, a word of encouragement, a word of faith, maybe a teaching or a devotion of some type. And it, it's, it's fun because God uses everybody and their voice and whatever is on their heart. And so uh, you see this image behind me we've used for a couple years even though we trade out the, the people. And so I'll just quickly give them to you. Uh, it's Laurent Sanders, it's Rosa Geraldo, it's Javier Mercado. It's Kathy Jones, and it's Brian Krause, and each one of these individuals, I believe God's going to give a word to, and uh, I'm excited to hear from each and every one of them. That's all right. That's okay. That's okay. And so you don't want to miss next Sunday. Whatever you got going on, I know the lawn is going to need mowed. I know that laundry is going to need done, but whatever you got to do, push all that stuff aside and be in the house next Sunday, and I promise you, you'll be blessed by it. I love this, and... Uh, so, and it's also just a great way to grow uh, people in the church, grow ministries in the church. Um, you know, you, you give somebody five minutes and then you're like, hey, they could preach a whole Sunday. Uh, and uh, I remember when pastors used to give me a whole Sunday and it'd go five minutes and that wasn't good. Uh, so um, anyways, that's another story. I'm excited about that. And, and next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. Um, and uh, I'm excited to, to uh, uh, for that day. You know, and, and in that way, I, I wanted to preach a little bit about uh, that today. So I'm going to go to a well-known passage. It's Acts 2, verse 38 and verse 39. Um, if you know it or if you can see it, read it with me. It says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and to your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will 
call. Amen. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. That's good. So I'm excited to preach today. If you know me, this is really probably my favorite topic to preach on. It's one of my passions that people are filled, transformed, changed, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I want to teach a little today. Uh, if you'll let me, I want to preach a little today, and I want to give space for God to do what He's come to do in the house as well. You know, I was thinking of that um, in church history that uh, really the Wesley brothers, you can trace what we would call modern-day Pentecost. Of course, Pentecost goes back to this, the birthday of the church, Acts chapter 2. But what we might call or refer to people or would refer to as modern-day Pentecost can be traced back to the Wesley brothers. This was the circuit-riding preaching days where people would get on a horseback. They would travel to a town. They would set up a tent. They would preach for weeks on end, and they would raise up a church. And if you know anything about them, they... Uh, started what we would call Sunday school today. They, they had school for children on Sundays, and of course it was Christian-based, Bible-based, instead of reading, writing, and math, and those things. But the other thing that they pioneered is the service schedule in such that you would worship, you would pray, you would receive, they, the word would be preached, and then they would respond to the word. And really, I, I know that we can disagree on this and it's okay. I can still love you and praise God and we can go out to eat at Applebee's afterwards. But you might say that the word is the most important part of the service and I would agree with you, but I would even maybe take it a step further and say because the word is the most important part of the service, the response to the word is the most important part of the service. And, and so it's not so much that the word goes forth, it's that you received it. And so what Charles Wesley said is, I preached on healing. Let's not say, God bless you, have a great week. Let's invite you forward to receive healing. <laughs> it was, hey, I preached on the Holy Spirit. God bless you, have a great lunch. It was, let's receive the whole word. Let's receive the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to invite you today to do is to come forward. I feel like 2020 was a crazy and weird year. And I didn't push for altars, even though I have for eight, nine years here. I didn't push for altars because I understood the situation, but... I don't want 2020 to take our altar service. I don't want 2020 to take our response to the word. And so I'd encourage you uh, to, to come at the end of service. Let God fill you. Let God empower you. Let God change you, heal you. And, uh, and I believe God can do great things. So I want to teach a little, preach a little, and give God space. If you believe that, say amen. And be seated. God bless you for being in the house today. You know, I've preached from this title three times, but I promise you there are three different sermons. This isn't some rehashed sermon, uh, but I want to preach to you from this title because I love what Peter said, the promise is for you. Turn to your neighbor say, who's it for? Tell them it's for you. Brother Chris, it's for you. I'm looking on the back row. It's for you. Everybody on the back row just got real nervous. You know, um, I love this phrase. I love what Peter said. In fact, it was instrumental in our uh, theme and branding of our, of our church name. You know, the New Testament shows us there are two baptisms for every believer. When you place your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you come to a place of repentance, faith, and forgiveness. We are taught that we are to be baptized in water, to follow the example of Jesus, that a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, a man of God would baptize you in water as a sign of the burial of the old you and a new you coming alive out of what someone would call that watery grave. The second is when Jesus baptizes you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. It's not a baptism that a man can give you, that a man can teach you, that a man even has the ability to give you, but it is a baptism that comes from Jesus himself. In fact, John the Baptist said this in Mark 1 and 8. He said, I baptize you with water, but he, talking about Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Remember that baptism means that you are immersed into water. You're not sprinkled, but you are submerged. The word baptizo in the Greek means to submerse, to dip, to dunk, if you will. That's a modern word, but it means they go all the way down in that water. Now imagine Jesus taking that same idea, baptizing you in the power and the presence of 
of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about when we say the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you have been baptized in water, I would say that not one part of you came up dry. By God's grace, I've baptized more than 100 people in this baptistry over the years, and I've never seen anybody come up with their hair dry. I remember there was a big fella one time that I had to dunk him twice because I didn't get him all the way under the first time. So I called over somebody else, and he's a big old strong guy, but, and I got skinny arms, but we got him down, and he came up all wet. His toes were wet. His hair was wet. His earlobes were wet. The inside of his nostrils were wet. His fingernails were wet. His elbows were wet. His kneecaps were wet. He was wet. Soaking wet from head to toe. And that's the same imagery we have with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the power and the presence and the anointing of God. It's all over them. It's all through them. They can't contain it. It's flowing out. I've seen people baptized in the Holy Spirit and they can't wipe a smile off their face. They can't stop with a joy running off of them. They're, they're laughing in the Holy Spirit. They, they can't contain their praise. They can't contain their voice. Sometimes they can't contain their hands. There's just a springing in their legs, in their feet, in their knees, in their ankle bones. There's, just, there's something that, that is on the inside of them. And it didn't just touch a part of them, but it touched them all over. And it was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that started on their head, but it went all the way down to the sole of their feet. The Bible said that when they were anointed with oil, that it would drip down. We know that the oil is always a type and a shadow of the Holy Spirit. That's why David said, you have anointed my head with oil and now my cup runs over. I want to tell you in the house today that when you're anointed with the Holy Spirit, it will touch every part of your life. It's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's the joy, it's the presence, it's the power of God, it's the anointing of God, and it's overflowing into your life. If you're a testimony and a witness of that, just give God a great praise and just say, thank you, Jesus, for the baptism and the power and the presence of your spirit in my life. Amen. So who is this promise for? Tell your neighbor, it's for you. Because it's a blessing that's very real. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit begins to do a work of regeneration in your life. And the baptism of that uh, is the immersion to be full and to be controlled and to be overflowed with the power of the Holy Spirit. It was and it still is a part of the New Testament church experience. Isaiah told us about it 800 years before Pentecost. He said in Isaiah 28 and 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. He says in, uh, this is the refreshing. Notice that description there. There's no mistaking what he was talking about. He said there's a blessing coming from God through which God will speak to his people and he will speak through his people. It will be their rest and it will be their refreshing. How many know that you can come into this house on Sunday and get a rest and a refreshing that sleeping in will not do for you? I knew I'd get an amen at the 9. I don't know about the 11. I don't know if they'll, if, they'll, if they'll receive that. But you can sleep in. You can hit that snooze. How many know your body might be rested, but your spirit is still weary? Your emotions are still heavy. There's still a deflation in your spirit. It's because in the power and the presence and in the Holy Spirit, there is a rest that even if you woke up at 5 a.m., you are amped up, ready to go like you just had a dozen cups of coffee because there is a rest and a refreshing in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There is. So who's the promise for? It's for you. First thing I want to tell you is that the promise is for believers. First people to receive the promise were believers. First and foremost, the promise is for people that already believe in God. 
They've already been favored by God. They've already been blessed by God. In Acts chapter 8, they'd already been healed and delivered by God. It's not just for down and out folks. It's not just for folks that are far away from God. It's not just for ranked sinners, although it is, and I'll get there before the end of this. But it's for blessed people, delivered people, people that God's favor is already on, people that have been walking with God for five years, ten years, twenty years. They need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit just like they were in the Bible. And it's proven in the scripture in Acts chapter 2, verse number 2. It says that until Jesus was taken up, uh, that, that he was giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles. I'm, um, I'm sorry, I'm in Acts 1, Carlins. I don't know if you can change that on the fly. I, I, that's my fault, Carlins. So I'm going to read it. Um, it says, until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving these instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. So he was giving these instructions to the apostles. And it said, after his suffering, he showed himself alive after many infallible proofs uh, for 40 days. Verse 4 says, one time as he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift that the Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then verse 8 said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be witnesses beginning in Jerusalem and then to the ends of the world. Jesus told again the 11 disciples, Luke 24, 49, He said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So who is He talking to? He's talking to the apostles. He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to people that have been walking with him for three and a half years. He's talking to people that had seen the miracles. They had in the margins of their, of their scrolls the teachings of Jesus. They had wrote in there the parables of Jesus. They had seen and heard the miracles firsthand and, and the healings. And, and he, Jesus said, look, you've been walking with me for three and a half years. But before you go out and preach, I want you to be baptized in this gift, the Holy Spirit. So the first people that ever received the Holy Spirit were people that were already walking with Jesus. They were already blessed. They were already favored. But Jesus said, you got to be filled. Luke chapter 1, the angel told Mary, you are right now as a teenage girl blessed and highly favored. But 34 years later were given. She, she was good with God for a long time, right? Even though she lost him for a minute, she, she, she was good for a long time. Acts chapter 1, we're given the names of those that were in the upper room in the prayer meeting. We saw this last week. Acts 1, 13 and 14, it says, When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, notice the disciples, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. They all joined together constantly, verse 14, in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So Mary had a close proximity to Jesus, but she still needed baptized in the Holy Spirit. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, all of them, they were in close proximity with Jesus for three and a half years, but they still needed baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, if Mary needed baptized in the Holy Spirit... If Peter, James, John, Matthew, Thomas, Bartholomew, they needed baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need baptized in the Holy Ghost. I wonder if anybody would be a witness and give God a praise right there. You know, it said in Acts 2 and 1 here, it says that on that day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place and suddenly... A sound uh, like a blowing that just blew in my mic. The blowing that was that was that was the Holy Ghost right there. 
<laughs> I didn't know that pop filter. The blowing of a violent wind from heaven and filled the whole house where they were setting. And they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And then it said, all. What was that laundry detergent? A-L-L. All in the Greek, it means all. It don't mean some. It means everybody was filled. Everybody needed to be and everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. If Mary, James, John, Peter, all of them needed baptized in the Holy Spirit, you and I need baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus was very clear. He said, I want you to go and teach what I taught you. I want you to go and baptize and make disciples. But wait until you receive this gift and this promise. Why? Because once you receive, this was true then and it's true now. Once you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the power of God, the presence of God, boldness to be a witness. You have a comforter. You have a counselor. And you receive the opportunity to function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so this is where I want to teach just a little bit. But verse 4 said that they began to speak in another language and in another tongue. Then they knew naturally. They didn't know this tongue or this language naturally. This is the prayer language of Holy Ghost baptism. So he says, wait until you receive this gift and then go and do what I've told you. Notice verse number 4 says, as the Spirit enabled them. Enables you. Doesn't mean that it does it for you, Brian. Enables you. Gives you the ability, but doesn't do it for you. And this is where I want to teach, because a lot of people get mixed up, and they don't receive this blessing because they are almost expecting God to just hit them with a lightning bolt, grab their tongue, and pray in the Holy Ghost for them. But the Holy Ghost enables you, but it doesn't do it for you. You have to speak it, and God will give you the utterance, the verbiage, the ability, and enable you. But you have to speak it, because He will not make you. I, again, by God's grace, I've prayed with a hundred of people or more that have received this Holy Ghost baptism. And my instruction to them is to just praise God with your tongue. Speak it out in faith. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. I praise your name. I bless you. And all of a sudden, that English language turns into the tongues of not of men, but of angels. And all of a sudden, they're praying in the Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you, you have to speak. If you come up today and you are expecting God to knock you silly and do it for you, that's not going to happen because that would be inconsistent with everything else that God does in your life. Everything God does in your life is by faith with you stepping out. And so he doesn't make you read the Bible, but he gave you one. He doesn't... He doesn't make you tithe, but he gave you a job. He didn't make you come to church today, but he woke you up and gave us a house of worship. He doesn't make you speak in tongues, but he gives you the ability to do it. He doesn't make you pray, but he hears you when you pray. He doesn't make you worship. But he gave you a voice, he gave you hands, he gave you feet, he gave you a mouth, he gave you breath in your lungs. And I'll tell somebody today, if you'll just step out in faith, God will do the rest. Because the Spirit will give you the ability to do it. Oh, I feel it in the house. Give God a praise right there. Somebody ought to just give God a praise. Hallelujah. So they chose to speak this out and received that gift. So the promise is for believers, but secondly, it's for spectators. Acts chapter 2 and verse 5, the Bible tells us that there were Jews from all over the world that happened to be gathering in Jerusalem for the holiday of Pentecost at the same time 
that this prayer meeting that Jesus instructed them to have was happening in that upper room. And then as the day broke, this, this, this uh, prayer meeting begins to spill out into the streets. And these people are praising and worshiping God in another earthly language than the one that they learned as a child. And these people who have come from all over the world for this holiday are saying, what is this that we're seeing? These people are speaking in a language, my language, from a far off place, and they don't know the language that they're, that, <laughs> that they don't, didn't learn this naturally. I don't know if they tried to have a discussion with them, and they couldn't because this was enabled by the Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Ghost in its fullness, sometimes you'll receive a great joy. Sometimes we see in the Bible that people are knocked down to their, their knees in the presence of God. Sometimes people leap. Sometimes people dance. Sometimes people uh, have great joy. So I've seen people fall out in the Holy Spirit. I've seen a number of things. But when you receive the Holy Spirit in its fullness, you will pray in a language that you did not learn. And God will use people to speak. Sometimes He will give people an earthly language, but also a heavenly language, the language of men, but also the language of angels and language that's spoken in heaven. And we've heard stories. Uh, I've heard stories here in this church. I've heard stories at other places that I was where people had this testimony. I remember there was a worship pastor that gave this testimony, and he said that he um, had the opportunity as the USSR broke up and, and, and uh, as, as, as there was a lot of change in that area of the world, they had been very resistant to Christian missionaries for a long time, for a generation or more, and he had an opportunity to go and to uh, join with a missions effort. And um, I believe it's still difficult in that area, but there was a time where it was, it was very wide open and there was revival happening. And he was at a big convention, a big conference, and thousands of people are worshiping God. And um, it's an altar call, and it's just kind of an unscripted part of the service where people are worshiping God, praising God, and, and the Holy Spirit is falling, miracles are happening, salvation is happening, uh, all kind of things. And he's playing the keys on the side of the platform. And he's been there for a week or so now, and the only people he's been able to speak English to are the people in his group. And all of a sudden, it catches his attention, it catches his ear that someone is praying in perfect English. Uh, no accent, uh, they're, just, they're saying, thank you Jesus, we praise you, you are the God of, of salvation, you are the God of miracles, uh, thank you Jesus, hallelujah. And he, he's, he's playing the keys, I'm going to play the keys right here, he's playing the keys, he's looking over, he's like... Catches eyes with the guy, kind of like a, right on, yeah. The, the, the kids say, game recognizes game. They're like, okay, yeah, I, I see you. Did you, you, you speak in English too? And he takes notice of him, and then after, after the service is over, he goes over to the man, expecting to, say, to introduce himself to him and say, hey, where are you from? You know, I'm from the States and this and that, and what are you doing over here? Expecting to have that kind of conversation. The guy is completely confused has no words, looks at the American guy speaking English and is befuddled and saying, I, you know, saying in his own language, I don't know what you're saying. I don't talk like you're talking. And he realized that it was in that moment that God had enabled this man to pray in a language that he had never learned as a child and he still didn't know as an adult, but he was enabled by the Holy Spirit to be a witness, to be a testimony of God's power. And this is the very same thing that happened on the day of Pentecost. These Jewish people were shocked and amazed. They had rejected Jesus as Messiah, but now they say, what's going on? These people are acting drunk. They're talking in a language that they don't know. Peter stands up and takes the opportunity in verse 14 of chapter 2. He stands up and he addresses the crowd. 2 and 14, he says, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. 
He keeps on preaching. I'll pick it up in 37. It says, when the people heard this. Remember, this is the response to the word. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here it is again. The promise is for you and to your children and to all those that are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. And he's telling them the promise of what just happened, it's for you. And so I want to say, yes, it's for believers, but it's also for people that have been sitting the sidelines. It's for people that have never heard about it. It's for people that haven't come in here yet. It's for people that don't even know about it yet. It's for people on the back row. It's for people that only come on Easter and Christmas. It's for all those that are afar off because God is calling people in the last days. To receive this blessing of God. Amen. Even for far off places like Orlando. Jerusalem's far from Orlando. You know, I think sometimes people get their have to's and get to's mixed up. People say, do I have to? I think that's the wrong question. You get to. I've never, nobody ever gave me a gift on my birthday. And I said, "Do do I have to? Do I have to? Did you ever get a gift on Christmas and say, do I have to? I think that's the wrong question. I think it's do you get to? If if the, I don't know uh, how this works, but I don't know if the Florida lottery calls you up and says, hey, you won $10 million. You say, do I have to? Do I have to drive to Tallahassee? Hey, I'd be in the first, uh, hey, I'm, I'm in the car right now. You know, somebody finish up. I, I'll be, <laughs> you know, I, where, what's the address? I don't think anybody ever said, do I have to take all 10 million? Can I just have, have 100,000 of the 10 million? No, you'd be in the car with me right now. It's a gift of God. Don't get all hung up and say, well, I don't know about this. I don't. No, it's a gift from God. And the promise is for you. And I'll tell you, this gift is greater than any gift on this world. It's greater than $10 million. It's greater than a gift of a house or a car or anything else. This is a gift from God. It's the gift of God's power and presence in your life. Amen. You know, the promise is also not only for believers and spectators, but I'll also tell you it's for skeptics. It's for those that can't see it yet. It's a testimony of a lot of people that say, when I first came to the church, I thought everybody was real loony, kooky, crazy. I'm thinking of a nice word, Scott. It's not only for spectators, it's also for skeptics. It's for people that can't see it yet. You know, Paul was a skeptic. He was somebody that couldn't see it yet. He didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ. But at his conversion, he was traveling on this road to Damascus, and he was on the way to persecute more Christians because he couldn't yet see it. He was still skeptical. He couldn't see what God was doing. He couldn't see that Jesus was the Messiah. But the Bible says on that road, that on, on his way, that a light shined down from heaven and a voice rung out, and that light not blinded him, knocked him off his horse, and he replies to the voice from heaven, Who are you? And the voice from heaven says, I am Jesus. Get your attention, right? Whom you're persecuting. And that physical blindness of Paul was to be a sign to him that he was spiritually blind to what God was doing. And that voice from heaven, actually, if you read it, it gives Paul an address on a street called Straight to go to that address, that home, and find somebody named Ananias. When he finds Ananias, Ananias had been alerted to by the Spirit. Ananias puts his hands on Paul, prays that not only would he receive his sight, but that he would receive the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, his skepticism was gone. His blindness was healed, and he was filled with the 
the Holy Spirit. And Paul was never the same. His eyes were open to what God was doing. His life was changed forever. No longer was his name Saul, but his name was Paul. And he spent the rest of his life preaching Jesus, teaching Jesus, planning churches, being a missionary. His life was changed in one moment encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, it's the testimony of a lot of people in this room that they were changed and never the same with one moment in the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody ought to praise God right there if that's your testimony. You know, some people are skeptical or don't see it, I think, because of one specific passage that Paul told the Corinthians, and they don't read it in context. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. The context of this is, is Paul is, is giving the Corinthians church, uh, the context of it is that he was, he was correcting them and talking to them about the gifts of the Spirit and how the body of Christ works. It says here, he says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Now people will say, because he's talking about, does uh, the eye say to the ear, I don't need you, or the ear say to the eye, I don't need you? Of course not. The hand wouldn't say to the foot, I don't need you. And the foot wouldn't say to the hand, I don't need you. And so Paul is saying here that everybody has their own part to play. Everybody has gifts. He's saying, Do everybody, does everybody uh, prophesy? Is everybody a pre- uh, prophet? Is everybody a teacher? You know, we'd say not in, uh, in modern day, is everybody sing? Or does everybody play the guitar? Or does everybody preach? No, no, no. We all fill our own role. But because of that, people will draw out and say, well, then that means not everybody will speak in tongues. But here's the context, is that he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. There's nine gifts of the Spirit, miracles, healing, faith, prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, discernment, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. And so what, he, what, what I would say to this is, does everybody have the gift of miracles? No. But can you pray to God for a miracle? Believe for a miracle and see a miracle? Does everybody have the gift of healing? No. But can everybody pray for healing? Believe for healing? Fast for healing? See healing and receive healing? Does everybody have the gift of faith? No. But can everybody walk by faith? Live by faith? Put their faith in Jesus, overcome a a hard time through faith? Does everybody have the gift of wisdom? No. But can God give you wisdom in a troubling hour, in a difficult season, in a confusing time of your life? Does everybody have the gift of discernment? But can God tell you something sometime? Can God warn you of something sometime? Yes. So does everybody have a gift of tongues to do it publicly with the intention of it being interpreted? No. But I'll tell you, God can give everybody a prayer language to pray in the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit praying through you. Romans said, when you don't know what to pray, that the Holy Spirit will step in on your behalf and pray through you. That's why I say it's not about you. It's about the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. And so I thank God for the Holy Spirit in my life. And so not all have the gift of tongues for interpretation is what Paul is saying there. But can you pray in the Holy Spirit? Of course. Because every time people, the Holy Spirit came on people in the book of Acts, they would pray in that language of the Holy Spirit. You see it over and over and over again. And if Acts is our blueprint, then why would it not happen today? Look at, at Paul, and, and this would violate that if you drew it out that way, because Paul's teaching on the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, just two chapters later, 
um, really at the end of 12 and the beginning of 14, he says, For anyone who speaks in a tongue uh, does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries of the Spirit. When you pray in tongues, you are praying directly to God. You know that? It's powerful. Hell can't interrupt. I'll say, the enemy doesn't know what you're saying. Doesn't know what you're praying. You have a direct line to God. I'm not praying to anybody else. I'm praying to God. You have a direct line. The Spirit is interceding on your behalf, praying through you. He says in verse 4, anyone who speaks in tongue edifies themselves. This is why you should pray in the Holy Spirit. You are edifying yourself. Edifying means that you are building yourself up. James talked about building yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in that heavenly language. It means to, to, to build up, to form a structure, to build a house. And so in the same way that you might go to a gym and to get stronger, you begin to exercise. You run on the treadmill or you lift weights or you do whatever you do. There's so many different things to do nowadays, CrossFit and running and all these different things. When you're doing those things, you're getting physically stronger. But when you pray, in the Holy Spirit. You are building up your most holy faith, it said in Jude. You are building up your most holy faith. And here's what it said in verse 5. He says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. So if he just said, look, most of y'all can't do it, why would he say, I want everybody to? And that's not, that's, that's not just what Paul is saying, that's what God is saying, that's what the Bible is saying. It's not me saying it, it's saying, I would that everybody would speak in tongues. Uh, uh, and then he, he's giving some teaching here about how prophecy is valuable, there's a lack of it in the Corinthian church. Verse 18, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. He, he gives them guidelines about how church services should be held. But he's saying, if you want to know how my private prayer time is, I pray in tongues probably more than all of you guys do. Then he says in verse 39, desire to prophesy. Don't forbid to speak in tongues. He says, let all things be done decently, verse 40, and decently, if, if fitting, and in an orderly way. So he says, don't forbid tongues. He says, verse, I'm going to go back to verse 14. He says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. This is powerful right here. I think sometimes, I think sometimes people have a hard time with this and they overthink it. Is this me? Is this real? I, am I doing this or is it God doing it? And then they never do it. But your mind is bypassed. And it's your spirit agreeing with the Holy Spirit that's praying through you. You know, they've actually done studies. I, I, have, the, uh, artic I have one of the many articles from the New York Times. It's in my Evernote file. That they studied people all over the world that would pray in the Holy Spirit in this heavenly language. And they began to notice there were similarities even among continents from North America to South America to Africa to Europe to Asia, that there were similarities in the, phrase, in the phrases that they were saying, even though somebody in a village in South America had never met someone in a church in Africa and never met us in Orlando and vice versa. And they, as they studied these and recorded them, they realized that oftentimes there were similarities in the verbiage. And they began to study them even on, a, on a, a, a biological level. And they realized that when you talk in the language you know, that your frontal lobe is engaged. It's where phrases, it's where language and speech is initiated. And it's where your thoughts become words. But they noticed as they studied these people on a biological level that it was utterly bypassed. The frontal lobe was utterly bypassed as they were praying in the Holy Spirit. And so it's showing here what that study is showing, what the Bible said all along, that it's not your mind bringing that fruit, but it's the Spirit of God <laughs> praying through you. And it's not my mind that's fruitful. It's not my mind that's doing it. It's my spirit that's doing it. That's why Jesus said that it, as he spoke of the Holy Spirit, he said it's rivers flowing out of your belly, rivers of living water out of your spirit, out of your core, out of your being. It's not of your mind. It's out of your spirit. Yeah. 
And so Paul says, so what shall I do? He said, I'll pray with the Spirit, but I'll also pray with the understanding. I'll sing with the Spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. He's saying, I'm going to pray in my natural language, and I'm going to pray in the heavenly language. I'm going to sing in the natural language. I'm going to sing in the heavenly language. Now, does that look like the Holy Spirit grabbed his tongue and made him do it? No. But he's choosing to pray in the Holy Spirit, choosing to sing in the Holy Spirit, choosing to pray with understanding. And it's the same choice that we have. I think sometimes Christians think that the music has to just be right and you got to play the right note and sing the right song and be on the right bridge and, and, and you got to have Holy Ghost goosebumps in order to pray in the Holy Spirit. But I'll tell you, you ought to pray in the Holy Spirit on Monday. You need to pray in the Holy Spirit on Monday. When you don't know what else to pray or what else to say, you ought to pray in the Holy Spirit. You might be burned out, broke down, upset, just mad, angry, stressed out, and beat up. And if you said anything in English, you would regret it later. So you ought to just pray in the Holy Ghost and just pray without the understanding. Let your spirit agree with God's spirit and pray in the Holy Spirit. Oh, come on, somebody. There ought to be times... That you get in your car, in your prayer closet, get out in nature and start turning on some worship music. And I'm singing in the spirit. I'm praying in the spirit. I'm in the spirit because I need the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody give God a praise right there. Because that's what builds you up. That's what empowers you. That is the sword of the spirit. That's the sword of his spirit. Music come. I'm going to come to a close. You know what? Go ahead. Stand with me. I'll close quicker. John 16 and 7. Jesus said this. He said, truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You know what's powerful about this word is that advocate in the Greek you might know, is paraclete. It was their word for an advocate, a counselor, an attorney, even a defense attorney. How many know an advocate is on your side? They're on your side. There might be a whole lot of stuff against you, but the advocate is on your side. It might be an unfair ruling, an unfair judgment. There might be false witness, false evidence. There might be enemies, whatever. But that advocate is on your side. When everybody else in the courtroom is against you, the advocate is on your side. If you're in legal trouble, they actually tell you, don't say a thing. Let him do the talking for you. I'm going to let that soak in one more time. It actually says this. <laughs> they actually say this. You have the right to remain silent. And if you don't have an advocate, one will be appointed to you. Because they even realize you shouldn't be talking right now. You should let somebody else do the talking for you. And so sometimes the judge will speak and, and, and the client will begin to talk and, and the, the advocate, the attorney will step in and say, no, 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 you don't say anything right now. I'm talking for you. And sometimes the, the advocate will say, well, judge, what he meant to say was this. That's why we have an advocate that Romans 8 says, when you don't know what to say, when you don't know what to pray, that the Holy Spirit will begin to speak on your behalf, begin to pray on your behalf. When you've run out of knowledge, when you've run out of words to say, when you've run out of options, when you've declared the word, when you've spoke faith, when you've declared it in Jesus' name and anointed the whole house with oil and you're out of words and you don't know what else to do, there's an advocate on your side. Sometimes my mind is run out and my mind is unfruitful, but guess what? My spirit is in agreement with His spirit and all of 
a sudden, now I got the right words. Now I got the right direction. Now I've got the right thing. I've got the right direction in my life. You know, I think it's the testimony of a lot of people in this room, in this first service, that they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you that if you have been or you haven't been, to make this day a day that you are filled, filled again, and don't let a day go by again that that anointing of the Holy Spirit is not on you, is not poured on you, that has not filled you. And I, I tell you, there's people that come in today in this first service and this second service, and they don't need a pretty sermon. They don't need... A, they don't need the song to be just right and all this stuff, although we do our best. They need the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, I had somebody tell me, um, I had somebody tell me, uh, this was around Easter time. I had somebody tell me, I said, you know, I, I like the church, I, I like the music, uh, I like you, I like the preaching, and I, I like whatever, the parking lot and the, the landscaping and the paint colors and I like all the, I said, but yeah, that, that altar call was really weird. He said, I don't know about all that stuff. I don't know about, I said, well, you know, it's the Holy Spirit and we step out of the way and he said, well, I like, I like the songs, I like the preach, I like all this, I like all that, I like all this and I said, you know what, you might say that you're uneasy with the Holy Spirit but it's not that you like me. It's not that you like the music. It's not that you like the preaching. It's the Holy Spirit is what you really like. That's what you feel. That's what you see. That's what you sense. It's the Holy Spirit. So it's not the building that you like. It's not all of those things. It's the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite you forward today. Many as would. As you come forward, I want you to just find a place to pray. As you come forward, I'm just going to invite you to lift up your hands all over this house. I'm going to step out of the way. We've still got time today. I'm going to step out of the way. And as you come, I just want you to lift up your hands and close your eyes all over this house. a place and let's just lift up our hands all over this place right now. Come on, let's just lift up our hands right now. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, I want everything that you have for me. Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. I want the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want the power of the Holy Ghost. I want the presence of the Holy Ghost. I want everything that heaven has for me. I want your power. I want your anointing. Oh, so I surrender to you. In Jesus' mighty name, let your Holy Spirit fall on me. And right now, let your Holy Spirit fall on me. In Jesus' name. Once again, Thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.